information contained in this episode is for informational purposes only. No material is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello and welcome to the Health Hour of Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHDTV. Um, I want to say a big shout out of thank you to KKNW and CHDTV for providing this fabulous free speech platform um, where we can really talk about everything we need to know and discuss and information for you all to take and explore to find out what fits in your life so that you can make those informed decisions in france they have lost their ability at least on one topic to have these sort of discussions their government has voted now that if you say anything critical about a covid 19 shot or medical care that you can be put in jail for three years and um, there's quite a stiff penalty, a financial penalty attached. This is so alarming. Um, we must preserve freedom here in the great US of A. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense um, for this hour of great radio. If you're not yet a member, please hop on over to wa.childrenshealthdefense.org. Sign up to get the newsletter. And if you can, please give us just a little something every month. Everybody giving a little something keeps this free speech on the air. And I got to tell you, Washington State is one of those places going down the slippery slope that's um, where France has gone. So we need to keep this show on the air, behind enemy lines, as it were, for the great state of Washington, that it returns to being the great state of Washington. A lot of great people there, including um, our guest today. Now, Bob, co-host, will be joining us. Um, he's having some computer issues. As soon as he can get in, he will be joining us. But we have got from Washington State, we have got Dr. Sarah Kotlerman joining us. So glad to have her with us. Uh, she is a chiropractic um, caregiver extraordinaire. And uh, so let's go ahead and um, just bring her on. I'll go ahead and bring her on there. Um, you know, Sarah, I forgot to give the little blip of the views expressed are not necessarily those of KKNW or CHDTV. And we are not giving medical advice or legal advice. We're just here to give great information for you to take, you the listener, you the viewer, and go explore deeper. Um, that's what great information and freedom of speech is all about right absolutely yeah. bernadette it's a pleasure to be there be here on, on today isn't it interesting that we have to disclaimer good information but mm -hmm. you can give idiotic information without a disclaimer anywhere in the world yeah, that is so true that's how upside down the world is and that's because of the the corporate capture of um, of our government and our governmental agencies. They do not work for us. They work for private industry. They protect private industry profits. Instead of standing between us and industry, 
to um, be harbingers of truth and, and arbiters of truth. They instead are the marketers for, and you know, for those who wish to profit. And that is what needs to change. And that's what I'm so excited about though, Sarah, because as scary as it is in what we see here and there, it's, it's what is becoming visible is the stuff that has been planted for decades to mm-hmm. plans to take away all of our freedoms. And yeah, it's going to get messy and it's going to get ugly for a while, but more and more people wake up and they figure out what it means to be an American and to take back our systems. I don't know how we're going to solve the, um, you know, the complete capture. Yesterday, there was a, a hearing, um, congressional hearing on the COVID-19 shots. And so much of it was so appalling. FDA and NIH and everybody was just saying, oh gosh, we did so well. And we have these wonderful surveillance systems and and we're doing a great job. It was, and, and so many of the people up there on the committee were applauding them and talking about misinformation. And it was very concerning, but it was also revealing the systemic problems. Yep. So, oh, I see Bob has joined us. Let's go ahead and bring Bob Reynolds on from Washington State as well. Bob, so glad to, oops, I think Eric and I both did that. Thank you, Eric. Um, Glad you uh, were able to click on. Good to see you guys. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, Bob. Nice to see you as well. So, you know, as you heard there, as you just logged in, you know, we're kind of talking about you have to go after systemic issues that are Mm -hmm plaguing the world and the nation. And this theme is perfect for what Dr. Sarah Kotlerman is talking about today, the systemic underlying issues of poor health and children. And how do you address them, right? Because we do have this overlay of profitable industry wanting to gain from illness rather than actual go healing. And so Um, I'm very excited that our focus today is on children and what chiropractic care and the complementary care that um, most chiropractors provide, or many do, um, can actually lead to true healing of things that um, we're often told can't be cured. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned, Bernadette, how this is a systemic problem. I was at the Turning Point AmeriFest last year. And Mm -hmm. there was a moment, and it was a great conference. I would highly recommend that anybody that was interested in in freedom go to that conference. Doesn't matter what side of the political scale you fall on. If if you don't want to be owned financially, mentally, physically, emotionally by other people, you would have value in that kind of conference. But one of the things that I found was really interesting is there was a moment in the conference where they had a couple of medical doctors come on the stage and talk about how our pharmaceutical access, that most Americans could not survive if the pharmaceutical access was denied. So they were recommending that you buy pharmacology kits that would allow you to have 60 or 90 or 120 days worth of your pharmaceuticals in a safe so that you wouldn't die if for some reason pharmaceutical access was cut off, if there was some sort of crisis. And I have to be honest, as a participant in the crowd, I felt that that wasn't quite the right angle to take on it. 
Mm -hmm. If you're interested in true freedom, the question should be what needs to happen so that you are no longer dependent on pharmaceuticals. And that's the control of information because people keep walking into my office and going, well, I've been told that this is incurable. It's, it's permanent. And one question fixes that for most adults. And we're going to talk about kids and that can sometimes be a little bit different conversation because there are children who are being born damaged. That's a real thing that's happening. Um, but for most adults, the question is, well, can you remember a time when you didn't have blank? Can you mm -hmm. remember a time when you didn't have diabetes? Can you remember a time when you didn't have cancer? Can you remember a time when you didn't have whatever the disease that they named that they've been given? And for most adults, they go, yeah, I mean, this only happened when I was in my 40s or my 50s or my 60s. So the question is, why couldn't the body get back to that level of health integrity that it had before the disease process? The whole idea that these diseases are permanent makes no sense. That body in a period of time was disease free. It's just about turning back the clock, building integrity back in that system to the point where they were at that time. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And more and more, we are seeing people like Dr. Paul Merrick, who we've had on the show and we love. He's with the FLCCC.net. Um, Just love those folks. He reversed his own um, type 2 diabetes. And absolutely. he he has had this amazing awakening to the powers of self-healing. And it, so, you know, amen to what you're saying. Yeah, it's just the power of life wants to 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 be, to win, to thrive. Right. I remember years ago, uh, um, before COVID, everything's like pre-COVID or post-COVID, but we had a healthy immunity conference out in Washington State, and Dr. Zach Bush um, came out, and he said it can take like 20 years for you to get in a horrible state of poor health but it might take you just one year to get back to health because the body yeah. wants to restore itself. You just have to give it the right building blocks and the right situation for it to happen. So that's always very encouraging to me when we hear that you, you heal faster than it took you a lifetime of bad living to get where you are <laughs> for adults, adults, but let's, let's turn to children. Um, that's a whole different topic. Sometimes with the kids, it is the lifestyle that, you know, the parents are, you know, the, the food that they're getting and all of that. But sometimes they are already born because we live in a toxic soup environment now and they're born with And toxicity really is something that we need to bring up. But before we go into to an understanding of how toxicity is affecting development in children, mm -hmm. let's talk about the most important thing that parents-to-be or current parents, even grandparents need to understand about children and chiropractic. And that's that you need to get your children assessed by a chiropractor. They are the only professional that can look at the neck, the cervical spine, and see if there's dysfunction in the cervical spine that's causing neurological compromise. Mm. There have been two major medical studies done on birth alone. One looked at purely what we would consider a natural vaginal birth and dysfunction in the neck. And the second looked at uh, births that were done with medical interventions, whether that was a C-section, vacuum, forceps. 
both of these studies had thousands of babies in them. The first study, which was just looking at neck dysfunction with babies that were born normally and vaginally, found that 75%, three out of four babies, had some sort of neck dysfunction following the birth process. Hmm. The one with medical interventions involved, it was nearly every single one of them. It was upward of 95% of the babies had some sort of neck dysfunction following hmm. birth. What we can tell from these studies is that it is highly likely that we have kids that are growing up with compromise in their necks that is compromising their brain's ability to communicate with the body and vice versa, the body's ability to communicate back with the brain. If you've got neurological compromise going on, you cannot out-nutrition yourself out of that. You, you can't detoxify mm -hmm. yourself out of it. The central nervous system controls all other systems and your brainstem is inside the first bone of your spine. This is why there's a whole class of chiropractors that are just called upper cervical chiropractors. They only treat the first and the second bone of the spine. And if you didn't understand anatomy, you'd go, well, they're kind of lazy. Like what are they <laughs> there's 200 some bones in the body and they only treat two of them, but they're very, very specific, very technical doctors. And they're, they're looking at changing those alignments to remove abnormal afferents, abnormal dysfunction off of brainstem and vagus nerves. And if mm. you look at any anatomy and neurology textbook, you're going to find that 95% of all neurological communication goes through brainstem and 75% of all communication that does our heart and our gut goes through vagus nerves. These are huge numbers. The neck has more importance than we understand culturally. And because we don't understand that, we're, we're investing a lot of time and money in very ineffective models to yes. trying to dysfunction. Wow, that is so important. And you know, you leave me to, a lot of times I, I look back, I think, okay, we know all this great stuff. And we've got modern tools to help us see what chiropractic care is doing. If we were to go back, say 300 years to sure. when women, every birth was a home birth. And there were wise women, midwives, you know, who understood the birth process and the birth trauma. Were, were there any under was there any understanding at the time of any sort of way of holding the baby or trauma or did we used to just have well some children got the birth injuries and they were never addressed because we didn't understand this because sometimes i feel like you know some some of the old wives waves they did stuff you know absolutely and I think we are seeing an interesting generational study happening in the United States. Are you familiar with the Pottinger cat study that was done in the early 1900s? Oh, that sounds so familiar, but I don't remember what it's about. Okay. So the Pottinger cat study, and there are videos of this, they're very fuzzy, but they're on YouTube. And if you have not watched this 15, 16 minute video clip, um, mm -hmm. I would encourage everyone to go watch it because they it's a study done on cats and specifically looking at a different diet 
for cats, healthy cats. They took a cohort of healthy cats. I'm going to summarize very quickly. They gave mm -hmm. all of them a little bit of cod liver oil, all of them a little bit of bone. So it wasn't like any of these cats were given a completely deficient diet, like you might think of today with the Costco kibble, right? They were given some, everyone was given a baseline of some nutrients, but then they broke the cats into a couple of groups. There was the raw meat cats, which were given raw butcher scraps. There was the cooked meat cats given those butcher scraps, but they were heated. And then there was the cats that were given the cooked meat plus a, um, it was cooked and then they did another level of processing onto it. It was like cooked mm -hmm. and then further processed. And they did mm -hmm. the same study with milk. They did raw milk, they did pasteurized milk, and then they did sweetened condensed milk. Mm -hmm. What they found is the first generation of cats would get sick if you gave them cooked meat or you gave them meat that had sugar or cooked milk or milk with sugar. They would get sick and they got progressively sicker the more you added sugar and you processed these things. Mm -hmm. What was interesting though is what happened in the second and the third generation because they have the skulls of these cats. They didn't mm -hmm. see much in the way of change in the skulls um, in the first generation. But in the second generation of the cooked meat cats, you started to lose normal things like the bones here above the eyes and the bones of the cheeks. The, the third generation, which was the last generation that the cats were able to produce, there was almost none of the bones around the eyes. And the skull was almost a quarter smaller than it was in the previous generations. So what we saw is you put cats on a nutritionally deficient diet, they lose bone mass and their skulls shrink, hmm. right? So you asked me about children 300 years ago, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. One, we didn't have the same dietary challenges of processed foods, industrial foods and food contamination that we have today that is affecting our children in a big way. Mm -hmm. um, we have the same kind of mental and emotional stresses that we have on females that we have today. It's a very different demographic of women who are producing babies. Um, so there's a very good argument that babies would not have suffered the same kind of stresses in utero and during the birth process in a, in a natural, un intervented birth 300 years ago. Interesting. It absolutely makes sense. And of course, we're talking about 300 years ago, somebody who lived with adequate means with access to, to decent nutrition and not the poor or whatever. So um, yeah, it but just, it, what we had, I mean, in the poor, you had, if you look 300 years ago, at people who didn't have enough food, you didn't see lots of chronic disease you saw the, the non-failure of life. You would see stillborns. You would see people not able to get pregnant, right? It, this is different what we're seeing in the United States now. It's, we're having abnormalities. Children are being born with developmental di di uh, it, differences. It's not the mm -hmm. same kind of thing to 300 right. years ago. And, and poverty today is highly associated with obesity rather Correct. than being underweight from lack of food. It's, yeah, it's a whole, you're right. Okay, so anyway, I scrolled too much here. Let's get back to, um, I always find this just so fascinating. So from the moment of birth, well, pre-birth, but let's start there. Um, at least 75% of babies could benefit from 
chiropractic yeah. care to Absolutely. overcome the the journey into the world. Yeah, to not grow up with damage between the brain's ability to communicate with the body and the body's ability to communicate with the brain. If we look back into fetal development, the first thing that develops is the nervous system. It develops before the heart, it develops before any other system. It is the primary system of life. And that's mm -hmm. development, that is function, and that is regeneration. So it is how you get to adulthood, it's how you have a healthy adulthood, and it's how you don't degenerate in adulthood. Okay, the idea of dying without health problems, without being on a bunch of pharmaceuticals, that is a reality if your central nervous system is allowed to function without compromise. Mm -hmm. okay? um, so the, the chiropractic journey for babies probably needs to actually start with mom, because if you look at mom's nervous system, mom's nervous system is what's going to dictate how well everything in baby develops. And this is where you get very interesting overlays in the realm of toxicity. And we can't go too deep into this, but I want to share something with the people who are listening right now. If I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pause oh, go you just right there. We're getting some background noise and I'm not sure what it's coming from. So if there's something going on, it's where you are, Bob. We um, have lovely uh, workers in the neighborhood. Okay. So he's going to sign. Thank you, Bob. He's going to silence for us. Okay. Continue, Sarah. Okay. So here's one of the things that I'm finding is not well understood, but extremely well researched in the literature. If mom's body has toxins in it, let's look at a specific category of toxins like heavy metals. Most heavy metals will cross the placental barrier, which means as mom's go body goes through the process of carrying a baby, there are certain times where the immune system is weakened in order to allow for the gestation of the baby. Studies are showing that it's worse in first and third trimester. So in first trimester and in third trimester, this is where if mom's body is full of toxins, those toxins are leaving the storage tissues in mom's body crossing the placental barrier and embedding themselves in baby's body. Baby's body does not have a fully developed nervous system. In fact, you don't have a fully myelinated nervous system until two years of age. For men, you don't have a fully developed brain until 23 to 25 years of age. This has been one of the challenges with early onset vaccination because there's so many susceptibilities of the nervous system in those early years. Well, what we're finding in a lot of these chronically ill children is they were getting exposed to all these toxins in utero because mom just didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, as a healthy adult, you can store toxins for decades before they start to cause severe health problems. Your body is extremely good at storing toxins. You can store toxins in your brain, in your optic nerve, in the fascia of your body, in the organs of your body, in the heart, in the skeletal system. So this is one of the things that is starting to bite us generationally because as, as a population, we get more and more and more toxic. This is transferable from mom to baby. So if mom has three babies, she's going to give a different toxic profile to all three of those babies mm -hmm. as it happens at a different time in life and her body's at a different level of integrity. 
Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So instead of thinking about the gen, you know, the genetic causes of, of some of these things, we probably should be looking at whether or not there is a toxicology cause behind mm. things. And this mm-hmm. is really easy to test for it. I mean, you just need a provoked urine analysis and you can see what kind of things toxicology wise are in your system. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you want to have children but have not yet gotten pregnant, and you don't know if maybe you have toxins in your system, maybe consider getting this test done prior to getting pregnant and save yourself a lot of heartache with your kids down the road. And then um, if if you do get a test back that shows that you've got a certain level of toxins, mm-hmm. then what what can be done in order to prepare your body before you get pregnant? So the short answer is get the toxins out of your system. There is no safe level of these toxins that is should be in your system when you try to go through something like pregnancy. The long answer is going to take more time than we have on this show to talk about because there there are three big categories of toxins, heavy metals, environmental chemicals and mycotoxins, and all of them require a little bit different strategy towards removing them from the system. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, this is the sort of stuff, you know, start as young as you can and, um, and really looking after your health and your fertility. I, one of the most amazing things that I, I learned years ago was that every little girl is born with all the eggs she's ever going to have in her lifetime. And you think about all the silly things that you do when you're young and when you realize that you're supposed to be protecting those eggs, you know, and, you know, so it's just girls protect your eggs. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and protect your neck (laughs) and protect your neck. Yeah. Which helps protect your eggs because you send energy where it needs to go. Right. So it's all exactly. Yeah. Dr. Carleman, can I ask real quick again, uh, just again, for the listeners, what's the name of the test again? Is it specific kind of test? Yeah. So really quickly, there are a couple of ways that toxicity testing is done. The testing that I would recommend is what's called a provoked urine analysis. So it's a pee test. You are taking urine and you're testing it for the presence of of these substances. Um, There there are so much there are so many people who have bad information about toxicity testing. Uh, there are two other ways that you can test for heavy metals at the least. One is blood-based testing. One is hair-based analysis. With blood-based testing, it really only makes sense if you thought you were exposed to a high, high level of toxicity within the last four hours. After four hours, those toxins are moving out of your bloodstream into your tissues. Okay? Mm-hmm. So blood-based testing doesn't work for what is probably the main issue for most Americans, which is a chronic low dose exposure through contaminated food, contaminated water, contaminated pharmaceuticals, uh, vaccinations, um, medical devices, medical implants, uh, work-related exposures, such as people who work within Department of Transportation, around engines, welding, fabrication, in factories, in warehouses, a large percentage of the American population, of the a working population, are going to find themselves, if they actually looked at the studies, 
in a high risk environment for some sort of heavy metal or environmental contamination. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much for that. You know what I would love to do now, or I can't believe it's already halfway through the show. You have got like a, a case that yes, just let's do the yeah, case. Let's do the case. And, and it will, <laughs> this listeners, this is going to provide an example of one, a 14 year old girl with issues that so many Americans are facing today with their children. And Sarah will, um, Dr. Kotlerman will go through this and um, I'll let you control it there on your side and, and give you hope and tell you, you know, what's going on. So take it away. So this is a case that's actually gonna publish internationally later this year. So if you're very interested in this case, you can check back in a few months at the Averio Health website and get the, all the details behind this case, as well as all of the testing and the images that were done in this case. We routinely publish extraordinary cases in order to give people all the details that they could need to see in order to make a decision. So this is a 14 year old female who's had severe anxiety since second grade. What that means is she couldn't tolerate her own eyelashes. So she plucked them all out as a second grader. Um, at When she turned 13 and hormonal, start, hormonal changes started to happen in her body, she became suicidal. So it really was only once there were suicidal tendencies that there was start, there was starting to be a discussion of doing something other than what the pediatrician had told them to do since early on. This is also a child where it was extremely likely that there were two adverse vaccine reactions mm -hmm. uh, due to some of the symptomology that the parents recalled screaming, ex you know, explosive swelling around the the injection site. Um, very unlikely that there was any VARS report, very unlikely that there was any medical follow-up. Those things are just not often done. You know, adverse reactions just happen and the damage is left there in the nervous system. Developmental apraxia pretty mean, much means that the brain did not develop correctly, so she's not able to move her body correctly. She's extremely irritable to touch, sound, extremely emotionally imbalanced. When we took this case on, she was trying to kill herself one time a week. This had mm -hmm. been going on for months. So now you have a almost adult child who needs 24 hour care, even while sleeping in order to make sure that she doesn't hurt herself. Uh, and severe sympathetic dominance, I threw that one on there too. It's really important to understand that the nervous system has two primary states of function. One of them is called parasympathetic. One of them is called sympathetic. If the neck is damaged, a person is going to be stuck in sympathetic dominance. Sympathetic, it's not abnormal on its own. It's abnormal when it becomes a state that is constant. So parasympathetic, what that means, parasympathetic means that you are in rest, digest, regenerate, procreate. Those are the things that happen when you're in parasympathetic function. So if a person is healthy, they should be in parasympathetic function most of their day. Sympathetic is the ability to make decisions when there's a lot of stress. I, I've heard professors explain it as 
what would happen to everyone's nervous system if a tiger walked into the room, right? Unless that was your pet tiger, everybody would be kind of thinking how they could get to the door or out the window or run away, right? So sympathetic is the fight, flight, um, or freeze. About a third of the population will be unable to make a decision if put in a life-threatening situation like that. That's the sympathetic nervous system. When we see these children who are extremely emotionally imbalanced, they are very sensitive, they have tantrums very easily, they have emotional disturbances very easily, that is a child who's in sympathetic dominance. That is not a personality trait. It is a child who has a jacked up nervous system. Now that could be a jacked up nervous system because they have spinal damage. It could be a jacked up nervous system because they have nutritional deficiencies, or it could be a jacked up nervous system because they have toxins in their system. But I guarantee you something in that child's body is telling them to panic 24 seven. Mm. Okay. So that's one of the things that we look at when we take on kids. And I think it's really important for parents to realize that it's not their kid. It's not mm -hmm. their kid's personality. It is something that has gone wrong inside their nervous system and how their nervous system functions. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we take on a case, it doesn't typically matter what the case is. The question is what's bothering the central nervous system. These are the three pillars of what needs to be looked into. One, analyze spinal x-rays to see if there's any kind of structural damage on the central nervous system. Remember, the brainstem is within the first bone of the spine. The rest of the spinal cord is between C2, the second bone of the spine, and L1 to L2, which is the beginning of the low back. All of those areas of the spine are critically important to normal neurological function. An intracellular micronutrient panel, this is amazing testing. This has taken blood work to a whole new level. Instead of just seeing micronutrients within the fluid of the blood, what would we, we would call the serum of the blood, we can now see nutrients inside the cells of the blood. So inside red blood cells and white blood cells. This test has been a game changer for every single patient with autoimmune conditions because we are finding that they may have, they may have normal micronutrients in the fluid of their blood, but severe cellular deficiencies inside their white blood cells that are causing their immune system to work in an abnormal way. Changing that changes the presence of that diagnosis. And then lastly, toxicity. And if you have any kind of toxicity in a child's body, they're not gonna develop correctly or an adult's body will cause chronic health problems. Toxicity is tested with a provoked urine analysis and you're looking for something along the lines of heavy metals, environmental chemicals or mycotoxins, which are secondary metabolites to mold. Now mm. try saying all that information three times fast. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited about it though. It just, it feels so solid. This is exciting. So let's so, take a look again at this, this girl. The first thing, if you have a, if you're a parent of a child that even meets one of these things, here's the first thing I would recommend you look into. And that is their omega-3 fatty acid ratio in their blood. It's a hmm. very easy test. It is a test you can get anywhere in the country. Now, it's also a piece of this micronutrient panel here. So this is what it looks like when I pulled it out of that micronutrient panel. 
okay? So if you look to the bottom of that, you can see omega-3 index. See that it says 4.11? Mm -hmm. that's super deficient, super mm. deficient. Okay. Eight. All right. If I see a person come in 7.99, right under that eight, which is what the lab is showing as the lowest normal value, that's still low. Uh, to have a child be at 4.11, that's compromising her ability to make normal nerve cells, normal cellular membranes for most tissue types in the body, to control normal hormones. This is a severe deficiency that on its own, just this one vector is gonna cause health problems. If you mm. look above that, you see where it says AA slash EPA? Mm -hmm. That lab value is talking about something called arachidonic acid to EPA. This is looking at systemic inflammation in the blood. This is for an adult human. The highest this ratio should ever go is 10.9. This 14-year-old child had an AA to EPA ratio of 68.1. Good heavens. 680% more inflammation than she should ever have in her body. Wow. Okay. okay. So this starts to give you the chemical piece to what's going on. Uh, mm -hmm. We needed to run some more testing. Her, due to how, um, if it had just been severe anxiety, I probably would have been okay with running a omega-3 building protocol for a couple of months to see what would happen with all of her symptomologies just by getting this deficiency up. Because she was trying to commit suicide on a weekly basis and there was so much risk involved in this case, we mm -hmm. ended up running another test to, to see if there was another vector of damage here. The other test we ran was analyzed cervical, which means neck x-rays. So if you look at the picture on the left, this is her standing. This is just normal standing. Do you see the green line? That's mm -hmm. where it should be. This is a child. There should be no damage in this neck. And you can see that there is a huge gap at the top between where the top of the green line should be and where the red line is. Do you see that gap there? Yes. Yeah. That's the compromise, the functional compromise on this girl's brainstem and vagus nerves. Remember, these, these neurological components have huge, huge functional numbers behind them. Brainstem sits right here, and it is the bridge for 95% of all communication from the brain down to the body and the body down to the brain. It, it's so important that we really don't have any way to calculate what all is going to go wrong when we see an x-ray like this where there's so much dysfunction. The other thing we can see is if you look over on the right side, you'll see two other x-rays. These are x-rays that are called instability x-rays. So this is when she's bending her head forwards and bending her head backwards. See the red lines? Those are areas where the ligaments are damaged in her neck. Okay. This it's hard to describe to the audio only. So I encourage them to, to go find the video when they have time to see these images. Yeah, absolutely. But to describe for all of the people who are just listening, what's happening here, your spinal bones are supposed to move together as one piece, right? The ligaments are duct tape that keep all these bones together with your very fragile nervous system in the center. 
all right? When there's ligament damage, it means that when you move your head forwards and backwards or side to side, there's movement that's not supposed to be happening in between those bones, and it's causing micro traumas to the central nervous system. The American Medical Association has said since the 60s that one area of ligament instability in the spine causes a 25 to 28% full body impairment rating. Um, so you look at something like this 14-year-old, she's got four diagnosable areas by AMA standards of ligament damage in her cervical spine. Now, all the math people, don't get upset. I know it isn't 25% plus 25% plus 25% plus 25 It doesn't work that way. Okay, but this still would give us an impairment rating probably in the high 60s to the early 70s. Uh, that's a lot of compromise on the central nervous system of a child that's supposed to still be developing that this is the reason why she's got health problems that is a logical assumption would go okay well that's a huge impairment rating if this was fixed probably all of those symptomology things on the first screen would not be present anymore good does that make did, sense yes did did was this an accumulation from birth forward or pre-birth forward or did something happen to her in the second grade or you don't know impossible to say the okay. second grade was quickly following a series of vaccinations so that much okay. i can say that there was a chronological connection here as far as physical trauma this is one of the things that i find people think all the time when i say ligament damage oh there must have been a major car accident or somebody whacked her in the head that isn't doesn't seem to be what we're seeing from actual clinical study people are having developmental ligament problems, children are having developmental ligament problems when there doesn't seem to be any kind of vector of physical trauma. I'm not okay. sure anyone has a perfect answer for why that is. That could potentially be a in utero deficiency. It could be an inner utero toxicity. Uh, what we know mm -hmm. is once it's diagnosed, it can be treated, but it can mm -hmm. be only treated with one thing. And that is gentle and specific chiropractic care. The only other option to gentle and specific chiropractic care is fusion surgery. Mm. And you would have to be nuts, in my opinion, uh, to do fusion surgery on a 14-year-old girl just to try to stabilize this without trying safe and effective chiropractic care first. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we've got about 13 minutes or so. I just want to make sure we get through um, some of the key answers. You want to hear the end of the story. I do, I do. <laughs> and what is impairment rate? Again, you said impairment rate. What does that mean? In impairment rating. So like uh, AMA guidelines will give impairment ratings to tell how s severe damage is to expect what kind of compromise a person could expect. So one area of spinal ligament instability which can only be diagnosed with x-rays, by the way. So it cannot be diagnosed with an MRI or a CT scan or a PET scan. And that's not my rules. That's the American Medical Association's rules. You need to have an x-ray to diagnose this. But one area of, of spinal ligament instability is a 25 to 28% impairment rating, meaning 25 to 28% of the central nervous system is going to be impaired. That's what that means. Okay. Goodness. Okay. No, it's a really big deal if you wrap your head around it. When you think about how the central nervous system does everything for you, 
losing 25 to 28% of it, that that's a scary thing. Especially at a young age when everything is still developing and maturing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Absolutely. And we don't, we don't have any studies to look in to see how this kind of spinal damage is causing developmental challenges in adulthood. We don't have any long-term studies. We should, we absolutely should, but that's a whole nother talk on where all the research dollars go. Yes, yes. Okay, so here's what we did. We had this young girl on site at a Vario Health Institute for five days. We do week-long programs where we do what's called concentrated chiropractic care. We use low force sustained contact adjustments. This was the only modality that we were able to do with this young girl because she was so anxious and so irritable. We could not put her under, let's say, in a, in a motion chair or on a, on a water table or under a laser because we could not trust her to stay unobserved in a room and we could not trust her to not injure herself or the equipment. So the only thing we were able to do was this very gentle, very specific chiropractic care. And it was done in five days. So you can kind of do the math on that. That was like 20 some low level force adjustments a day. Okay. We got to the end of the week. Oh, won't go there yet. We got to the end of the week and uh, there wasn't a lot of change by the end of the week, but ligaments, we expect a regeneration cycle of 12 weeks. So even if we do the work to repair, to non-surgically repair spinal ligaments, they're not going to completely tighten up for a period of 12 weeks. That's the regeneration cycle for them. So she went home. Everyone was happy that we made it through the week. This was a very difficult patient to take on. Um, and then I got an email six weeks later. Six weeks later was around Easter, and this child had gotten up in front of her friends and family members around the Easter time and had said that she no longer had any desire to kill herself. And <gasps> she'd just woken up and all the suicidal tendencies were gone. Well, I got an email from the parents going, oh, my goodness, you fixed her. And, I, <laughs> and you know... There's so I'm many things trying. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, you know, one human being doesn't fix another human being. Uh, there, there is just the question of whether a nervous system gets to function with or without interference. The smartest doctor you ever go to will not fix you, but will remove the interference from your body to allow your body to function normally. Um, and that's a really science-based concept, but we've been corrupted by pharmaceuticals. But anyways, that was six weeks after. Uh, we got about six months down the road. We took another x-ray. You can see here that after that one week of care, all four areas of cervical ligament instability non-surgically hmm. regenerated. Good. So that was a huge level of impairment that was no longer on this girl's body. Oh, that is so uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So we were about six months in, we were at a point where there was you know, no longer severe anxiety. It was down to mild, mild anxiety. Um, coordination was coming back. Um, I, I mean, everything you would expect to see out of somebody who was actually moving in the right direction. So that's what it can look like to do chiropractic management 
for a severely dysfunctional, severely abnormal child, regardless of what diagnosis you want to put on that, that dysfunction. And um, so you started off with talking about her um, omega-3 fatty acid levels and all of that. So once she started feeling better, were you able to bring on board any sort of nutritional supplements that now she might be willing to take or what? So we actually put nutritional supplementation into play immediately. Um, Most of this stuff can be, if it's high quality supplementation, it can actually be put into chocolate smoothies. It can be put on food. Um, It it doesn't taste synthetic. So it can be put into meals so that you can start raising the blood levels immediately. Mm -hmm. And she was on a high high dosing omega-3 fatty acids, as well as some digestive support to break it down and vitamin D3 from the moment we got that blood lab back. Those recommendations were in play. Excellent. That is so exciting. And I know a lot of people, it's giving them hope and they will share this. So I do encourage, you know, listeners, if you, if in your household, or if you know somebody that has a child that has any of these issues, please share this, this episode with them. And um, you, could you give a quick overview again, you did this a couple of weeks or last time you were on, you gave us some pointers, how to find a good chiropractor that does sort of like what you do. So take us through that, please. Sure. If you're looking for a chiropractor for care during pregnancy or postpartum care or care for your kids, I would highly recommend you go to the online database, ICPA4, the the number four kids. Uh, That database is going to be, it's the International Chiropractic Pedia Association pediatric association database. There's a big button there that says find a chiropractor and you're going to see chiropractors who have gone above and beyond to get certified in techniques and to get lots and lots, many, many thousands of hours of perinatal postnatal education. Now I have to be honest, I am not certified through the ICPA. I still see kids. You, you, it's not like you can't see kids if, unless you've been certified. But one thing that I would highly recommend that parents are looking for in a chiropractor if they want to take their kids or they want to get chiropractic care during pregnancy is find someone who does a low force technique. There are many low force techniques that are absolutely wonderful. Webster is a whole that's a name of a technique, Webster. That's a whole chiropractic technique that was designed just to eliminate, and I, I quite honestly mean eliminate, low back pain during pregnancy by allowing the uterine ligaments to be gently manipulated to allow for easier births, faster births, less pain, less breach, less all these complications. It's a whole technique just for that moment in life. It's wonderful. I've experienced Webster myself. It made huge value for me during my pregnancy. So if you're thinking about getting pregnant or you are pregnant, go get a doc who does Webster technique and and start to have that change your life. There have been so many studies and some of them are going to come out on, on the podcast and some of the other places that this information is disseminated. But There's been so many studies showing that just getting a few, like three to four adjustments will change whether or not your baby can breastfeed. Getting 
10 or 12 adjustments will change whether or not you are going to have pain during third trimester in your low back. 10 to 12 adjustments will change the amount of time you're going to be in labor. There are studies looking at chiropractic care reversing colic, bedwetting. There are studies looking at chiropractic care reversing uh, autistic symptoms, developmental delays, and those studies are going to come along after this interview. So there's oh, a wide, yeah. wide, wide world of information if you go looking for it, I guess yeah. is my point that that that's wonderful and i did we did put sort of in the title about the um like adhd plus and the the mm. chiropractic care so but your example showed the neurological impacts and the healing um this girl's anxiety so what have you seen just maybe just a, do you have a quick example of somebody who had autism whose symptoms improved two things with autism You've got to rule out spinal ligament instability in the cervical spine, and you have to get the toxins out of their system. Those are the two things that have been absolute game changers in every single pediatric and adult case of autism that we've seen throughout the years. And unfortunately, Bernadette, those are often the two things that haven't been done at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Dr. Sarah Kotlerman, you are a treasure. I'm so, always so glad to have you on the show. So um, what um, what are we going to focus on next time? You're going to come to us again, and I don't remember what we're going to talk about. I won't put you on the spot for that, but I know you're going to bring us another, you know, kind of focused um, informational session to, yeah. to help people um, understand that, oh my goodness, healing the is The next possible. one's going to be on the incurable cases. Incurable cases. Yeah, and I use that very flippantly because I I don't think that's even good language. But we're going to look at things that people, that the general understanding, we're going to look at diagnoses where the general understanding is that these are zero prognosis cases or they have no resolution cases. And we're going to look at how those cases get managed. If you actually take a testing approach, looking at spinal x-rays, micronutrient panels, and provoked toxicity and what changes for the outcome of those cases if you actually run those tests and then change what's abnormal on those tests. Wonderful. And your website is Averio, A-V-E-R-I-O. Health.com. Health.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got the Liberty Hour. It's about a family that was denied ivermectin in the hospital. And the hospital tried to give them, uh, charge them $100 hush money when they had promised them they would give their family member ivermectin. Um, Details in the next hour. So uh, hang in there. Stay tuned. You've been listening to 1150 AM KKNW. And CHDTV will be back in a bit. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. 
we need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Children's Health Defense is a nonprofit organization with a mission to end childhood health epidemics by working aggressively to eliminate harmful exposures, hold those responsible, accountable, and establish safeguards to prevent future harm. The Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense is stepping up at the state and local levels, but we can't do this without you. Join us at wa.childrenshealthdefense.org. Let's restore and defend children's health and their futures in Washington State. The information contained in this episode is for informational purposes only. No material is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 